Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we are chatting with Matt Geelan from Little Monster Media. You know, I'm not comparing myself to Darwin, but in many ways this is my origin of species. Right, and I said it with like a straight face, and they were kind of like, is he fucking with me? And then like I smiled, I was like, yeah, I'm fucking with you, but it kind of is. Matt is arguably one of the smartest people in the world when it comes to audience development and understanding the YouTube algorithms. Yeah, and Matt shares with us his top tips and things that creators really need to know to help them really kill it on YouTube. Frederico, before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College. The online college just for content creators. Check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Matt Geelan from Little Monster. Welcome to Creator Generation. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Where are you right now? Uh, I am in the Little Monster offices in Woodland Hills. Awesome. Like Maybe let's start with what's Little Monster and then let's get into your backstory. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so Little Monster is an agency. We focus 100% on... YouTube and helping brands build audiences on YouTube. So we typically work with uh, media clients and um, independent creators on YouTube that want to build larger audiences. Uh, We primarily do that through consultation and data analysis where, you know, we take a look at the analytics of the videos on their channels and then make recommendations on ways to improve performance. And are you able to share any of the um, like those media companies or creators that you work with? Sure. Well, when we first got started, um, one of our first clients was Movie Clips. And this was back in, I think we started working with them in September of 2016. Um, at the time, they were at about 150 million monthly views, which is certainly nothing to scoff at, but they felt stuck, right? They'd been stuck at about 150 million monthly views for uh, all of 2016. And they said, look, we've been doing the same thing for the last, you know, basically since we started. Uh, can you take a look at our playbook and let us know what we should be doing differently? And so we started consulting with them. By December, I think they were at like 220 million monthly views. By the time our contract ended with them in May of 2017, I think they were at like 400, 450 um, a month. And they continued on that trajectory up to being the fifth most viewed channel on a monthly basis, doing a little over a billion monthly views on the channel. Um, and then more recently, worked with a animation channel. Um, when we started consulting with them, they were at 30 million monthly views and, you know, doing, growing okay. Um, nothing crazy, but, um, we started working with them and, um, got them up to around 400 million monthly views in the span of about 16 months, all through consultation and data analysis. That's impressive. And so your, your journey in, in this sort of YouTube audience development world, where did that begin though? Like, were you a a creator to start with or a analyst like what, what how did you get into this game <laughs> yeah um well on accident uh, in <laughs> fact i wasn't really a youtube creator myself until about six months ago which we can we can go into if you like um, <laughs> yes we'll but, get there uh, yes yeah um no i uh, i got started by accident uh, i studied film in college and wanted to be a movie producer and got out of college and within three months uh, my brother and i were producing a feature film raised uh, a very small low budget for um and uh, we made that film and by the time we were done with the film 
uh, in terms of like actually like editing and that sort of thing. It was, I want to say late 2008, early 2009. Um, and if you remember back then, the US had just crashed the world economy. Um, and it was also at the rise of kind of prosumer high def cameras. And so it was this combination of everyone had a feature film and no one had any money to buy those feature films at like festivals or in the greater industry. Uh, and so we decided to self-distribute. And my brother said, hey, you're really good at com with computers because I was really good at a video game in college. Um, can you figure out this social media thing? And so I locked myself in a basement for nine months and uh, learned everything I could about building audiences online. Um, at one point, we were like the third result on Twitter for if you searched film. Mm. Um, we had a, a very large MySpace page, uh, which was, uh, you know, a thing I back want. then. Yeah, 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 MySpace page, man. Uh, we had a pretty decent Facebook page. We had a, a small but growing YouTube channel because we had made some content specifically as like promotional content. Um, but what we had done was really build up a very large email list of about 250,000, uh, emails. And so the way we had gone about doing that was by giving away our soundtrack for free. Um, so that led to having that email list and the social presence, uh, as well as some IRL marketing stuff, uh, led to selling around 50,000 DVDs. Uh, premiering at number one on Hulu, and we were number one on Hulu for, you know, I think better part of 10 weeks or so, and um, that was great, and the film was on Netflix and iTunes and Amazon and, and the whole shebang, but what that process really made me realize was I absolutely hated producing content, um, <laughs> like actually being like an in-the-field producer of content, <clears throat> but I really loved building audiences online, and so... Um, during this time, I should say I was working, you know, independent contractor gigs on uh, various uh, independent film productions in New York. And I went from producing a feature film down to PAing on like commercials. Um, so I worked my way down the corporate ladder <laughs> at, uh, up in scale. And I remember the exact moment I decided I never wanted to be in like feature film production or just production in general ever again. Uh, it was like December 23rd. It was like 6, 7 a.m. Uh, it was probably, um, you know, negative five degrees Celsius um, uh, outside with like a terrible wind chill. Um, and I was trying to tell Wall Street bankers not to cross the street because we were trying to get this shot. Uh, I was peeing um, and they were just like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Kid. I don't give a fuck. Um, and brush right by me. And I was like, I'm making about three dollars an hour right now. Um, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> and so uh, I went and got a job at um, a company called Driver Digital. I was employee number one. Um, uh, was there for about three and a half years, built them up to a decent sized network of about 100 ch uh, channels uh, in moms and kids. Um, this was about three years too early, um, but uh, built them up, uh, then went to a company called Frederator. Uh, I was VP of programming and audience development, uh, oversaw the building of Cartoon Hangover's audience, uh, and then oversaw all production for a number of other owned and operated channels, including Channel Frederator. Took Channel Frederator from, uh, I think, you know, 50,000 subs, not having a video uploaded to it in several years to uh, over a million subs doing around 20 million monthly views uh, in the span of about 13 months. 
um, and then also oversaw the building of the Channel Federator Network from zero channels to 3,000 channels doing 6 billion um, annual video views all in animation and in animation tangential style content. Well, wow. can I just backtrack on the, the Wall Street uh, bankers? If you're pretty <laughs> solid. Bit. The important part of the well, story. Yeah, you're, no, I just wanted to, incident. You're, you're a pretty big dude who I think played football at high school or college. And I reckon if you told me don't cross the road, I would be like, yes, sir. Because like, you're, yeah, you're a very friendly kind of dude, but you're, you're a unit, but like you're a big unit. But um, thank you. In a good well, way. That's a good. Uh, that's a term of, in, of endearment. Um, no, that's that's perfectly fine. But that said, um, Wall Street attracts a lot of that. So, like, actually, most of the people I was trying to tell not to walk across the street were probably larger than me, <laughs> at least in height. Because right. um, uh, Wall Street definitely attracts the kind of the muscle uh, muscle head meat uh or meathead uh kind of persona of uh i've got you know giant balls to spend other people's money and take a percentage of it sorry i'm fuck those guys yeah what i'm saying <laughs> let's yeah let's backtrack on <laughs> and there's so many different places we can go from 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 there um that sounded really quite simple then you just you just walk in you matt you do your thing and it and it happens right so do we just end this chat right now? If people like creators want to understand how the hell it is, they just talk to Matt Galen and, and it just happens. Uh, no, no, that is not, <laughs> not the way it works. Oh, unfortunately. Um, I wish I just had the, this, uh, hand on the algorithm switch where I could just point it where I wanted to, but that is, uh, not the case. Um, so, um, what we did with channel Frederator was basically take a look at what was popular for audiences in that vertical that we wanted to, and then made channel Frederator versions of that type of content. Right. So, um, we had a show called cartoon conspiracy. We noticed people really loved Matt Pat's game theorist. Mm. We said, why don't we make something similar to that for cartoons? Because, you know, you can't, uh, you know, read an article on, um, animation, even from like, you know, news outlets that doesn't cite some cartoon conspiracy, right? It's like a huge, huge thing in the cartoon world, right? And that's like, is, um, you know, the Simpsons in the same universe as Family Guy kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so, so why don't we do our version of that? And that did really well. And then as that was doing better, uh, we said people really love listicles, right? I know I'm not, I shouldn't be blowing anyone's mind with that great analysis, but <laughs> So why don't we make a channel federator listicle? And so um, one of the things that we'd been observing, and this was before we were reverse engineering the YouTube algorithm, um, and about a year after they switched to the watch time algorithm, we noticed that people that were uploading 10 minute long videos um, or longer were doing really well. And so instead of doing a top 10 list, we said, well, how many facts does it take to get to about a 20 minute video? Uh, and it was over 100. And we knew from data research that prime numbers do better than other numbers. So we said, well, what's a prime number over 100? And we said 107. So came up with 107 facts. And that those videos did really, really well. Um, so it's a series of like iteration, testing, trying things out. Um, it's certainly easier to go from something uh, to a lot more than from nothing to something. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the, the process more or less, you know, where 
you test things out and you see what works and you iterate on that and you double down on what you believe is working based on uh, looking at the data, right? And reading, uh, getting audiences feedback and um, then uh, iterating and rinsing and repeating. That, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. A lot of the, um, everyone's looking for a shortcut, aren't they? And uh, they don't think about the amount of work that goes into <laughs> making these things work. No, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, there, there are no shortcuts on YouTube other than, um, you know, uh, getting an albino Python and living in a van, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should say. Like, Actually, yeah, let's segue to that. Matt, can you explain that? Because just so people who ha- maybe haven't seen this before understand what the hell we're talking about, Janelle Eliana, she just created her first two YouTube videos about her living in a van uh, with an albino snake, and they blew up massively very, very quickly. She's gotten over one and a half million subscribers, millions and millions and millions of views just on these first two videos alone and just going nutso on the internet. Um, <laughs> before we go into that, like, uh, there's two yeah. things on this. One is, like you mentioned it before, reverse engineering the algorithm, which is something that um, you've, you've written and spoken a lot about it, you know, VidCon and packed out stages and you've got your articles up, up, up online as well as your YouTube channel. Um, but then, yeah, the, the Albino Python uh, two videos living in a van, um, what the hell happened there? Sure. Um, well, uh, you know, as it pertains to Janelle Eliana, um, I think there's been, you know, tons of conspiracy theories and like apparently it just really pisses off a few people that this woman is having the success that she is because I wrote a really nice thread as to like why I thought it was all organic and why that completely made sense. Um, and someone has created multiple fake Twitter profiles that are like, you know, signed up August 2019, right? And uh, just uh, wants to debate this one particular thread. And it's like, what does her success harm you in any way? Like, why, why do you care? Why are you spending energy on like defaming this poor, you know, 20 something? But anyway, um, so... First and foremost, this is actually not the first time we've seen this phenomenon happen on YouTube. Um, If anyone recalls maybe three years ago or so, the Spider-Man and Elsa videos, the channel that put out the very first Spider-Man and Elsa dress-up video generated something like 20 to 30 million views on that first video without having any audience, right? Now, there's probably some things that or there's potentially some things that that channel did um, to generate that viewership that um, may have been unkosher, but I, there's no evidence of that, right? So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, five Minute Crafts went from 500,000 views to something like 200 million views in the span of 30 days, right? Um, and then there is one other example, uh, I believe is Vlad Nikita, that went from nothing to 200 million views very, very quickly, right? So it's certainly not the first example of this. Uh, It is, however, um, what appears to be the first example of an independent creator really doing it, right? Standing out, you could argue Vlad Nikita is the same, but um, just an independent creator who uh, is filming and making videos themselves. Um, And if you look at the content, it has all the prerequisites of being a huge success, right? It's someone who's um, very, very interesting, right? Like before she came along, had anyone like ever 
met anyone in real life that <laughs> lived in a van, right? Let alone owned an albino python, right? Like, this is an interesting person that people want to know more about because it's like, what life choices have you living in a van and owning a snake, right? Um, she she was very, very engaging. Uh, her thumbnails were pretty well done. Her videos were very well done too. Um, and I made the point in the Twitter thread that first and foremost, like, you know, we have prodigies in almost every single field, right? You've got prodigies who are musicians. You have prodigies that are like, you know, science prodigies. You have, you know, sports prodigies. Um, you have film prodigies. You have acting prodigies. Why can't there be a YouTube prodigy, someone who just comes along, who intuitively gets it so much that they're able to do something like Janelle did. Like, I don't think it's that unreasonable to believe that after 13 years that hasn't existed. Um, so she could just be a prodigy because think about it, right? She's a, you know, young 20 something. She has grown up pretty much her entire life with YouTube and probably has watched a tremendous amount of YouTube and just intuitively gets it right. Like mm -hmm. I come from the film world and have to, or at least had to, you know, break a lot of bad habits for digital. Right. And so in that capacity, she doesn't have that. She just kind of gets like, Oh yeah, I got to talk into the camera and Oh yeah, I should do little funny edit jokes. Oh yeah. I should edit at this pace because that's just what I've watched my entire life. The, the final thing I would say in that regard is that the algorithm is actually very, very much designed to have this happen. Um, and not like intentionally, like they didn't design the algorithm to have like these viral phenoms or whatever. But uh, if you look at the underlying architecture of the algorithm and know what drives viewership, it was very, very well suited to break out. Um, first and foremost, I want to address kind of the van life um, <laughs> trend. Right. So um, the van life trend had been percolating over several months before she uploaded her last video. And if you look at the van life videos, right, um, there's not that many videos just in terms of supply. Right. Like you're talking maybe a couple dozen. Right. And those videos had millions and millions of views on them there. That means that YouTube has millions and millions of individuals um, with a video about van life in their watch history, but not a huge supply of videos to serve them, right? And so when Janelle uploads her first van life video, right, YouTube says, oh, well, we've got this audience that really loves van life videos. We just don't have enough inventory to serve them. We've already served them everything else, right? Let's serve them this one, right? And then when people do click on it, they enjoy it because she's really entertaining and really interesting. Um, and so people watch the videos, you get extended session times, um, and then they begin serving it to more and more people that look like those audiences, right? You mix in some shout outs and engagements from pretty big and popular YouTubers, right? Um, and all of a sudden that video gets snowballed and starts taking off, uh, because the majority of how YouTube recommends videos is based on collaborative filtering, right? So if people that look a lot like or have um, very, very similar watch histories to person A have not watched Janelle's video, 
they're going to serve Janelle's video to a lot of those people that have very similar watch histories because it clearly has the, the metrics that YouTube wants. Um, and then the last thing in that regard <laughs> is less on the positive side and more on the negative side, which is like all the people that are saying like, oh, it's fake or it's being pushed by YouTube, like all this kind of like nonsense conspiracy theory stuff. Um, first and foremost, like it's absolutely insane to think that YouTube would push an independent creator or try to pull off some, you know, crap like this. It's just, if you've ever spoken to YouTube corporate or paid any attention to YouTube corporate, it makes no fucking sense if you just think about it beyond like a few general corporate PR things. Um, but second of all, is that I think it comes in large part from a place of jealousy and envy, mm. right? Um, you can mix in a fair amount of racism uh, due to YouTube's promotion of like far extreme right wingers um, coming from that. A lot of people think that they are entitled to viewership because they made videos, right? And they look at uh, Janelle and say, you know, I, I can't believe she's getting all this viewership. My, she, I don't find that entertaining or uh, my stuff is super entertaining. It's like, slow down, bro. The world doesn't need another Minecraft Let's Player, right? Um, you know, what are you bringing to the table here? Maybe you're just not that interesting and no one's going to do that level of self-reflection, right? No one's going to sit there and think if their jealousy and envy is a result of them feeling like less than her, right? In the sense of like, She's very interesting, right? She's made some very interesting life choices that have given her this level of freedom and uniqueness that make her interesting. And I think a lot of these, um, you know, people that are touting these conspiracy theories um, have made the safe choices in life that, you know, would not allow them to live in a van if that's a fucking thing you want to do, right? <laughs> and that, you know, jealousy and envy comes out expressed as like, oh, well, this this can't be real. And it's like, no, you're just not fucking interesting. <laughs> I mean, then to break that down and then and so to look at it from like these other other creators who are like, hey, I'm creating tons of videos. I've spent years doing this. Like, are you just saying their content's not good enough? Like, probably not good enough? Or like, is there or is that just a simplification of why her content like her content's great and, and hits at a perfect time also in terms of the type of content she's creating in the in the category sure but um i think that was mostly expressed to uh, towards the people that are like besmirching this woman yeah. who just uploaded some videos that she didn't think all that many people were going to watch and is now being accused <laughs> of all sorts of things yeah um by people that feel that um but as pertains to other people no i don't think that's necessarily the takeaway i think the, the algorithm is or uh, a channel and video success is largely driven by essentially three things, right? Uh, the click through rate, the average view duration, and just how many people are interested in the stuff that you're talking about, right? Now, a lot of average, a lot of what goes into average view duration is like, are you entertaining? Um, I think I gave an example a couple different times, but within once, at least within the context of Janelle Eliana, which is like, um, the number one piece of feedback I got um, when I started our our YouTube channel at Little Monster um, was that my delivery sucked, right? Like no one <laughs> phrased it like that, right? But like it was a lot Fred, of like, that's just, you yeah, can't... your information is really good, but I want to blow my brains out if I have to listen to you for more than a minute or two, right? And like, um, 
my uh, my wife refers to it as like my professor voice, where essentially what I do is um, I begin thinking about the exact words I want to say, right? Because the stuff that we talk about, like algorithm audience development, is some pretty heady stuff, right? I want to make sure that I'm being clear and I'm answering any kind of like FAQs that tend to come up if I express it one way or the other, right, in sentence. Um, but also, I just never thought about myself as an entertainer, right? Like, there's a lot of very talented musicians out there, right? But what might separate Lady Gaga from the 50,000 or 100,000 people out there that can sing just as well as her is that she's a better entertainer, right? Um, and I think there's probably a lot of the same feelings in musician circles where it's like, well, I'm a great musician. I have a great voice. It's like, yeah, but you're boring as fuck up on stage. <laughs> no one wants to sit, see you sit there on a fucking stool, right? And sing <laughs> the same shit that they've heard a million fucking times, right? It's like entertain, put on a fucking costume. It's a show. It's the entertainment business. It's not the fucking music business, right? Sorry. Anyway. Um, hey, Fred, did you talk to Matt about swearing? No, 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 I'm just joking. It's, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll tick the little boxes. This is a, a little bit saucy. I love it. Um, <laughs> yep, sorry. Um, so, it's good. so, like, the feedback was like, hey, you know, work on your delivery. And I have been. I try to be more conscious of it because uh, part of the goal of this channel is to generate more audience and more viewership. Um, and so in order to do that, I have to be more entertaining as a performer. And so, um, in that same way, like if we weren't doing like, you know, how to build audience type videos on little monster, but instead I decided I'm going to do a family vlog, the feedback wouldn't have been like, oh, well, you know, your delivery sucks. It would have been like, well, your family mostly sits around and watches Netflix. You boring fuck. Why are you showing us this? Right. And so in the same way, like I think a lot of people think they're far more interesting than they actually are. When I'm on the mic. Fred, let's take a quick break here and just give ourselves a big plug. We are super excited by this new initiative. We have created the Changer Creator College. The Creator College, quite simply, is a place where you can get a whole bunch of online courses, including our brand new Accelerate course for YouTube, designed to help emerging and new creators become even better on the world's biggest video platform. The reason we think it's pretty good is that it's not just our opinions, but the opinions of a bunch of really great creators and experts coming together to give you a very logical structured course damn right it is the college just for creators so check it out at changercollege.com that's c-h-a-n-g-e-r college.com i guess a question like all youtubers have like is they come to us you know what is that secret success around the algorithms and and it's it's really we always think it's pretty it's an odd question but i mean are there some common aspects you did talk about things like you know click through rate and average view duration can you talk a bit more about that and and what they all mean yeah well let's work backwards right um the end goal of any algorithm is the goal that the creator gave to it the goal for the youtube algorithm is to satisfy its viewers um typically that can mean entertaining them um what that means more and more essentially from like a reality standpoint is that um, the algorithm is designed to make drug addicts, right? And the drug is dopamine in your own brain, right? Um, the dopamine comes from uh, ingesting YouTube videos, right? And what the kind of the outcome from a practical standpoint is that 
They want people to come to YouTube. They want people to come to YouTube more often. And when they do come to YouTube, they want them to spend as long as humanly possible on the platform, right? So it's kind of the goal on YouTube then, right? To satisfy viewers, to entertain viewers, to give viewers what they're looking for. And from that type of capacity, you can begin looking at the metrics of a YouTube channel or videos or as a YouTube programmer, that what do I do uh, and what do I look at to determine how good of a job I am doing that for the audience that I am able to reach, mm. right? And primarily what you wanna be looking at is the click-through rate on your videos relative to how many impressions they get, um, how long you're keeping people entertained and what your views per unique number is. There's a lot of little bells and whistles on top of that, but those are the big ones, right? Because you can't get average view duration if someone doesn't click on your video, right? If YouTube serves someone your video and they don't click on it, right? That's an impression without a click, which drives down your click-through rate, but is a signal to YouTube that they are not interested in your video. And so like you get a lot of complaints about like, oh, well, it's just clickbitty titles and thumbnails. And it's like, well, are you going to go see uh, Avengers Endgame if it's titled Avengers? Eh, no, <laughs> you're not. It's marketing, right? Like every time you put up a video title and thumbnail, you are making a sales pitch to the viewer as to why they should click on your video, right? Mm. And so we talk a lot about like, what is the value proposition of your video that you're selling to the user? Because Every time your thumbnail and title is displayed, you are trying to sell the viewer on why they should watch your video. So it's all like intertwined, right? In that same, there, there is no one thing. There is no this, then this, then this type of path or analysis for the video, right? It's all kind of, it's more of a, a mesh circle of, um, you know, data points that feed into each other and feed into the loop. Right. So in terms of getting the quote unquote algorithm to suggest your videos more and more, the two key metrics you want to focus on are click through rate and average view duration. Because if you have a high click through rate, but a very, very low average view duration, that is generally a signal to YouTube that you are clickbaity. And so they'll stop serving your video out. Right. If people leave very quickly after clicking on your video, that's generally a signal that um, they weren't actually interested in watching the video. I mean, it, it is it's it's such an interesting area and it's such a complicated area and I think people overthink it a lot. Um, do you find that the people you talk to like they are actually overthinking what's happening in the background? I think most people have given up, <laughs> right? I think I think most people like look at the data, look at what YouTube puts out, and goes. You know, I'm calling bullshit. It seems like there's no fucking rhyme or reason. No matter what I do, it's irrelevant. Right. So I'm just going to put videos up and if they do well, they do well. If they don't, they don't. Right. Most people, not all people. Right. There's definitely a lot of people that don't. Right. Um, but I think most people are just like, I don't even know where to begin. Because if you think about the average YouTube creator, they've got like 15, 20 jobs. Right. Like all the production jobs. Right. So producing, directing, writing, um, cinematographer, gaffer, grip, crafty, uh, hair and makeup. Uh, script supervisor, production assistant, and then it's editor, motion graphics, uh, and then your distribution, um, you know, actual like operational distribution, marketing, packaging, promotion, like so many jobs. And then you're like, oh, and on top of that, in order to understand any of this shit, you got to have a PhD in data science. <laughs> it's like, 
Motherfucker, I make woodworking videos. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, like, how am I supposed to understand this shit? You know, it made a lot of strides, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't want to beat up YouTube too much, right? Um, Creator Insider is a fantastic mm-hmm. resource for video creators. Um, you know, we didn't have that two years ago. We sure as hell didn't have that back when I was getting started on YouTube. In fact, they didn't talk about the YouTube algorithm for five years after switching to watch time. When they switched to watch time, they went radio silent. Right. And it wasn't until they actually released a white paper that they had ever discussed their information publicly. And they didn't even think that that white paper was going to go public until we wrote an article about it for <laughs> TubeFilter. And someone come up to me from YouTube afterward and said, we had no idea that they put this white paper out until we saw your article on it. Right? <laughs> and they said, uh, and they thanked me because they said, because of that paper, we were able to make the argument that, hey, maybe we should have a voice out there when people are talking about our algorithm, people are talking about audience development, right? Maybe we should have a say in that as it's our platform. And that was kind of the argument that finally got a lot of these doors unlocked, like Creator Insider, like the Creator Academy, where they have the search and discovery section. So mm. um, they've definitely made strides. I think they still have a long way to go. Um, but that's a, a huge resource for creators and understanding um, their their analytics better. Yeah, when we had a chat to the guys from Creator Insider and and Discovery, and it was it was, it was really interesting when the, we were talking about the algorithms, and they said like you know we it's like climbing a, a mountain, you know we've got this goal of getting to the top, um, but to get there you've got to you know zigzag across the mountain and to make the path. But what we're finding is people are, are chasing in the direction of the the zigzag rather than trying to focus on getting to the top. And I thought it was a pretty good um, a pretty good explanation of sort of what most people think about the algorithm. You know, like the, a trend comes up and then they just focusing on that trend or that direction and don't think about the bigger goal well what i would say is the map was fucking drawn by youtube so if they got anyone to blame it's themselves <laughs> right um first and foremost um second of all i would say that there is no one path up the mountain mm. most people have to zigzag up the mountain where they're trying to find um what's going to work for them and for the audience that they have access to um I do like the analogy in the sense of like, there's generally so much data that you can look at that it tends to be overwhelming. And so people don't spend the time looking at the things they actually should be looking at, right? Like you don't need to look at the percentage of likes to dislikes, right? Or comments to views or any of that crap because that crap has no importance. What has importance is click-through rate and average view duration. Mm. That's it everything else is like single digits percentages those two things are 90 to 95 percent of what you should be focusing on right it's so Um, good you say that because like all these emerging creators um or you know people who are struggling there's a lot of conversation online on forums on facebook groups everywhere going like we find they're looking for the one percent gains and they're leaving on the table like those those big ones like the click-through rate and and you know making their content better so that people mm. will stick around and people are like oh why isn't the algorithm doing this one like i'm i'm working on my x percent 1.2 percent gain here and it's like you haven't used a custom thumbnail um like, <laughs> stop um, <laughs> um, or you've got like a, a, a 45 second introduction of black screen with like you know yeah. um ms yeah. paint introducing introducing text on screen of what you're going to talk about it's like Stop. Can I can I actually yeah. give you a bit of a case uh, a case study, Matt? Because I've found this a little bit interesting lately uh, about how the algorithms work. Um, I have a one year old who likes birds a lot, 
And um, the moment we get in the house now, she says, you know, bird, bird, bird. And she basically only wants to watch YouTube videos of birds. So I put that on, on the background on the Google Home just while she eats. Um, it's designed for cats, I think. When you, leave them at, you leave them at home during the day. It's like ten, it's ten, it's ten, it's ten hours of, of, of just footage of birds just hanging around. And I think you put it on so that cats don't feel lonely when you leave them alone. But what's happened now is I, I watch inadvertently I watch so much of this content because my daughter watches it that it's just constantly <laughs> showing me more and more videos of just sure like 10 hour videos of birds <laughs> um, and I, it, it's just it's, it's, it's a bit overwhelming in the feed and I've had to go in there and say no I'm not interested I'm not interested I'm not interested it just keeps, keeps going back and forth but like there like that's a that's an interesting type of content like how when will the algorithm sort of understand like when maybe that is not actually what you really want to watch all the time or it's just for my cat or for my child <laughs> and not just for me do you know what what are the yeah. links into that um well uh maybe when you create a separate profile for the bird watching <laughs> um would be the my first recommendation um it's all tied to my google no, home uh, I algorithm I it. yeah <laughs> Yeah. The algorithm will stop recommending bird content when you stop watching bird content, mm. right? Now, they're getting better and better and better at contextualization through what they refer to as a latent cross. Mm. Latent cross is basically taking contextualization elements out of the filter, right? There's two big fil- three big filters now, but two main filters that send videos from the video library or what they refer to as the video corpus to the viewer, right? You have the candidate generation filter and you have the ranking filter. And what they're doing is instead of having uh, the filters include elements of contextualization within them is actually running contextualization throughout the process. So what ends up happening is instead of saying, well, we are going to send you 100 videos that are all bird videos, no matter where you are when you're logged in, because all these bird videos just have the best ratings for you, the particular viewer, is they're saying, well, we know he really loves watching bird videos on Google Home, right? But no one watches this much bird videos, not even those cats, right? (laughs) So we're still going to serve him some bird videos when he's on mobile, Right. But we're going to give him a bunch of other stuff that he's interested in that we see him really like when he's on mobile, because it's just very, very different viewing habits when someone's on mobile versus Google Home versus TV versus their laptop at work. Right. And so they're doing these layers of contextualization based on a whole bunch of different factors. Mm. Um, And so theoretically, even if you do continue to just watch bird videos from that one account, they're going to get better and better and better over time because it's based on your watch history, not the platform not the people who upload it's your watch history that determines your recommendations right they're getting better and better at that contextualization based on device time of day day of week uh, and a whole bunch of other factors that you probably won't see as many bird videos in your mobile if you don't click on them on mobile now if you're like me and you hand your phone to your kid right to watch videos you might still get those bird videos um but that's essentially what's happening currently in the algorithm mm, interesting yeah, so I mean, a kid's content is an interesting one too because a lot of parents log in, you know, and then their kids watch, you know, tons of kids' content um, and understanding, you know, and the the way kids interact with content is very different. If you, I mean, if you watch a kid's video, you'll see there's like often as many, you know, thumbs up as thumbs down and uh, like this, like it's just like kids just tend to smash buttons a lot and obviously that's very different to the way you'd you'd watch videos, right? I think Matt mm-hmm. just smashes mm-hmm. buttons all the time when he's watching YouTube. <laughs> 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 See what happens, yeah. Hey Matt, talking uh, click-through rate, 
you've written and talked a lot about about thumbnails and i kind of think you know in terms of the audience for creator generation is is, uh, are creators and they're like well okay how do i make my click-through rate better um and i'm guessing that's well we know that's probably through thumbnails and titles but like what's the key what do you you know what are the key tips there for a creator like okay i want to increase my thumb my click-through rate but hey i don't want to be clickbaity but like the way I, the way we talk about it here at Little Monster and we talk about it with our clients is that we say that your click-through rate, your audience development actually starts on the whiteboard, right? Before you've ever shot a frame, edited anything, even thought about a thumbnail or a title, it starts on the whiteboard when you make the decision of what am I going to make a video about, right? So if you're Mr. Beast and you say, I'm going to make a video about giving away $100, you can pretty much bank on the fact that your click-through rate is going to be much lower than if you say, hey, I'm going to give away $10,000, right? And so from that perspective, it's primarily knowing why your audience is watching, right? And why your audience is watching can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And that's where like good data analysis and even just reflective um, meditation on your content can go a long way, right? So in that regard... Um, what is the main driver of your viewership? And at Little Monster, we think there's four kind of main drivers of viewership. First and foremost is that someone's interested in the topic, right? And that's by far the worst place to be. And right now, our Little Monster YouTube channel is by and large driven by topic, right? If I post a video that says uh, reverse engineering the algorithm, it's going to get 1,500 views or more in the first seven days. Uh, The video I posted today, um, which they said was 10 out of 10, I think that's the good thing, right? No, it's performing horribly. <laughs> it's how to make better interview videos, right? We should have watched uh, that it before is this. Absolutely. Shit. Uh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. It's almost like you guys haven't watched any of my no. videos. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I'm subscribed. No. I'll stay subscribed. No, I just won't no, watch anymore. Um, the, the video re- released today is how to make better interviews, which is part of our taxonomy of digital video. Um, series where we break down popular YouTube formats into kind of their base elements and talk about how you can make better content like that. Well, my audience doesn't do a lot of interview videos, right? Uh, or at least there's not a large percentage. And so um, there's not going to be very many of them clicking to watch this video because it's not relevant to them. That's not why they're on our channel. Now, it's important to us from a branding perspective to have these videos and to see that. But a good piece of feedback for me, the person who programs this YouTube channel, would be that the title here sucks, right? Because it's not relevant to my audience, right? Um, A better, a much better title would be something along the lines of um, uh, what you can learn from interviews to get more viewership, right? Because now it's relevant to everyone. Right, not just the people who make interviewer Q and A videos. Right now, it's really exclusionary, where only people who do that type of video would find this video to be relevant to them. So, topic is a terrible place to be, and it's the place where we were with Channel Frederator um, when we were doing 107 Facts, which became our, our big series there. And we do 107 Facts about Adventure Time. We do 107 Facts about Fairly Odd Parents, and so on and so forth. And what we do is we'd pull in hundreds of thousands or millions of views and viewers for those individual IPs. The problem became that, you know, once we had a lot of that, we had a lot of momentum and a lot of viewership. Well, if we got 10 million viewers to watch um, uh, Adventure Time, 107 Facts About Adventure Time, right? 
only maybe 5 million of them would also be interested in our fairly odd parents, right? And maybe only 2 million of them would be interested in our gravity falls, right? And so over time, we start hitting less and less of our audience for the same show, right? Where people aren't interested in the topic because they're only interested in a handful of cartoons, so they don't click on it. Um, you know, if that happens a few times, YouTube stops serving them our videos and our uh, channel eventually goes into a death spiral because people were only there for the topic, right? The three other reasons why someone might be on your channel are far better. First and foremost is style, right? Now, there are very, very few YouTubers uh, or YouTube channels that have production quality so high or so unique from a stylistic perspective that people are just going to watch for their style. But a great example is MKBHD, mm. right? Now, tech review and product review type channels generally perform horribly. There's only a handful of standouts, mainly because they're usually utility channels, right? Where people are there for the particular product that they're reviewing or topic of that video, right? And have no reason to watch other than if a video has specific meaning to them. Right. MKBHD is not that case. He is an entertainer. Right. If you watch his videos, those are artistic fucking masterpieces, mm. tech reviews. Right. You've never seen a fucking tech review that looks <laughs> like that. They're unbelievably good. He's also very interesting. Right. And very uh, authentic on camera. And you can believe him and has built up a reputation. And that's all well and good. But he's one of the few examples of why someone might just watch it for style. Right. The other two reasons are personality and format. So let's look at personality first, right? And this is where a lot of the, maybe you're just not that interesting comes from. Mm. You know, being a YouTuber is the number one job that teenagers want to have when they quote unquote grow up in America, <laughs> at least, right? And what you're basically doing, say, I'm gonna be a vlogger, right? You're saying, I am so much more interesting than the rest of the population the people are just gonna watch me for my personality, right? Sometimes that is the case, right? Um, sometimes there are creators that just stand out, right? PewDiePie is one of them. Put all the other shit to the side about PewDiePie, but people watch PewDiePie because they love watching him. They're there for him. There's nothing unique about his format, right? There's tons of people playing Minecraft and making funny videos about Minecraft and doing that sort of thing, right? But people love his personality and they watch for that, right? They're certainly not watching for the style, right? I think he's still shooting on a webcam from fucking like 2014. Right? His videos look horrible, right? Now they sound okay, but they're not there for the style. They're not there for the format. They're there for him. And they have a shared interest in the topic. But when you are single-handedly responsible for bringing back a game that is over a decade old, right? People are there for you and are listening to you. He is a influencer, right? So that's personality. And then the final place, which I believe is the best place to be, is people are there for the format. All right. There's no better example than uh, the React channel. Right. No one really cares about the people they have on there. And they always have a different rotating cast of people. The only time that is not the case is when they do YouTubers react. And a lot of times people are there for the YouTubers because they watch their other stuff for their personality. But by and large, it's just randos from the fucking valley. Right. <laughs> and so people are watching because they like to watch react videos, right? And watch along and laugh at the people reacting or see what uh, their reaction is and compare that, right? And so those are the four reasons someone would watch a video, we believe, right? And so in that regard, if you look at your content and say, wow, people are really here for the topic, right? Well, then you need to make a shift, 
And that shift needs to be towards one of those other three. And I would highly encourage it being format because what format means is that it's not necessarily about you, the personality, which means one, eventually you can go off camera, right? And run a media company, but two, it means they're going to watch every video regardless of the topic, which means your videos are going to have high click through rate, right? Because everybody wants to watch your next video, not just you, because you as a star will eventually dim, right? Almost every star in the history of the world, their star has eventually dimmed and it happens at a very accelerated rate on YouTube, right? Um, there's only a handful of people that have had longer than like three, four year careers on YouTube in terms of like, they got big, they kept growing or they stayed big for an extended period of time. They didn't have a format that gives people a reason to watch. All right, so programming. <laughs> your click-through rate starts with programming and understanding why your audience is there and then making a programming choice as to what video you were going to make to super serve that audience of people that are there for you. From there, it's your thumbnail and title, right? If you wanna talk about making good thumbnails, we can talk all day about like what makes a good thumbnail, but generally speaking, what makes a good thumbnail? Close up on face, strong emotion, high contrast, bright colors, uh, objects in the foreground stand out from the objects in the background. Try to avoid text if you can um, and uh, have eye contact with the viewer if possible. If that was the answer you were looking for, I'm sorry. I took many, many a minute. Oh, that is, there. I think every creator should listen to that yeah. and then start writing notes and really do some self-assessment on, and you know, like I'm sitting here thinking about what we do here. Um, and always, and like, I, I think that's, probably something that should always be happening to anyone creating is be looking at all of those things and seeing how you can make your content better across not just your craft of your content, but for all those things that you just outlined. Speaking of which, what's it been like to apply all those uh, learnings back to your own channel when you, you know, when you start one from scratch? Uh, humbling. <laughs> very, very, very humbling. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I've said many, many times in, in this podcast alone that I hate production. Um, but one of the things I wanted to do with this channel was to go through the experience of being an actual creator. And so I've been doing all my own production. And if you look at some of my earlier videos, right, like they're, they're just absolute garbage from a production standpoint. Um, and part of that was like, I got to put a video out next week. Right? It's going to be what it's going to be. And like the camera's at like a low angle. I've got like one light on me. The light's not enough. So it's grainy. I'm out of focus because I forgot to hit autofocus. And this is like one of my top videos. Right? <laughs> like, how to improve your fucking click through rate. Right. And um, it is just the worst video from a production. Oh, I've got glasses on too. So there's, you can't even see my eyes throughout the whole video. It's just the reflection of the fucking light box. <laughs> um, and so. It has been very humbling and like, you know, I work with creators from time to time. It's mostly media companies, right? And like, I kind of know what they're capable of doing, not capable of doing. But like with creators, I usually approach them just like they're media companies, right? And it's like, oh yeah, just do this, right? It's like, and then sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't. And like, I get frustrated. It's like, why didn't they do it? It's such a good piece of advice. And then like, as a creator myself, like if I was giving myself feedback, like I did earlier, like why the hell is it titled that? Right, like my response to myself as a consulting would be like, fuck you, motherfucker, because I had a half hour to fucking upload it this morning before the 30 other fucking things I had to do. How fucking dare you tell me that shit, right? And so like in that regard, it's been very uh, illuminating. 
other than like production, have you caught like and you know the the self-diagnosed shitty title? What like what's the biggest <laughs> stuff up that you, you've gone like as a knowing what you know and the expertise you have? What's the like the thing that you've gone? I can't believe I I did that outside of production. More more in your your lane. So um, more in my lane, um, kind of first and foremost, like one thing I was very, very much against at the beginning was um, putting myself in the thumbnails mm. and making YouTube face, right? <laughs> like my first 10 or 15, I was just like, no, fuck it, I'm not going to do it, right? Like, and that was just mostly like self-consciousness, right? And you do a couple and you're like, ah, fuck it, no one cares, right? <laughs> no one gives a fucking shit, right? Like no one's looking at your face on the fucking thumbnail and being like, hmm, it looks like he may have gained a few pounds. Like, shit. <laughs> Right. They're like, give me the fucking information. Right. Tell me how to grow my audience and fuck off with your fucking self-consciousness. Like, get over it. Um, And so that was a big one where like my main point of advice most times starts with like, oh, yeah, you got to put a face in the thumbnail. Right. Um, And at the beginning, I was like, no, I don't need to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And then like thumbnails that were just text. Right. It was like, dude. Take your own fucking advice for like 30 fucking seconds on the most important thing. Um, so there's definitely that. Um, you know, the whole taxonomy series could probably be packaged and framed better because I think it's the most important work we've done um, for helping creators at the very least. Um, and I think it's uh, quite a legacy to leave behind what we developed from a here's how to develop YouTube content that's. Uh, more than likely going to get viewed because it's in formats uh, endemic to the YouTube platform. Here's how to do it, right? And here's the elements that go into it. And here's how to think about it. Um, this is a client the other day. And I was like, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Darwin, but in many ways, this is my origin of species, right? And I said it with like a straight face and they were kind of like, is he fucking with me? And then like, I smiled. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking with you. But it kind of is um, because um, it's, a, it's theory. Right? And, and I, I enjoy, I really love the data part. I love the data analysis. I love figuring out the YouTube algorithm, but so much of what we do is theory. And that's really fun, right? Because it's subjective and it can be built upon. It can be uh, ideated upon, right? People can come in and say, no, Matt's wrong about this, right? Here's what it really is and build upon it. Um, and I didn't find that great. And, uh, you know, advancing our art, right? Advancing our medium and our culture, Right. Where we're not looked down upon as like, oh, that's digital video or like, oh, it's UGC. It's like, fuck you. My UGC does 10 times the fucking views your shit does. But anyway, um, right. Like it it advances us as an art form. Right. Mm. And until we have academic study of our art form, we will always be looked at as like, you know, the the younger brother offshoot of you know, TV and film, right? It doesn't need to be, but it's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to start that conversation. I hope the taxonomy does start that conversation or people do come around and build upon it or prove it wrong, (laughs) right? And, you know, take it to the next level because uh, that's beneficial for everyone. It's beneficial for me, right? Is there a better way to do this? I haven't found it yet, but I would love for someone to come along and and show us. It's funny you call it younger brother. I think we used to call it like the ugly cousin and now it's graduated to the younger brother. (laughs) It's like it's more and more mainstream, but you know, it's funny because um, it it is very different explaining the concepts to someone who's in uh, mainstream or traditional TV compared to like, you know, someone who's grown up with with YouTube. And um, you mentioned that earlier on. And like, how do you find like dealing with the big media companies who have a very different perspective of how things work? 
Um, or, or should I say they have more you know, ingrained thoughts about how you know it used to work? Um, you know, most of them are, are pretty receptive um, to you know um, how we frame the taxonomy. It's like our most requested presentation, um, and it's the presentation that gets by far the best feedback from just like a content development standpoint. Because I think talking to a creative, right, they want you to put them in a box, mm. right. They want you to tell them what their lanes are that they can drive in so that they can be creative and make really cool stuff that's going to get audience and viewership because at, at the end of the day, that's what they want, most of them, right? Like, there's there's not a lot of, like, artists that would, are like, no, I really only want 100 people to view my art, right? Like, and if there is, it's really they're saying that because try to, trying to be cool. It's like, no, you don't, motherfucker. Mm. Like, you want millions of people to view your art, right? Um, they all do. Um, in that regard, like, I think most of them are kind of grateful for it and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes more sense. Like, you know, in TV, it's like, okay, you want a procedural. Okay, I get it, right? I know what a procedural is. But in online video, it's, it's all kind of new and fresh to me. I don't know how to look at it. I don't know how to observe it and to understand it, right? But, oh, you break it down to these eight buckets. Okay, that all makes a lot of sense, right? And then you show examples of those eight buckets, like the base kind of bucket. Like, okay, no, I get that. Right. It's like, okay, that's what a react video is. That's what a challenge video is. I know what an interview is, right? I know what a narrative video is, but I don't necessarily know what, you know, um, a uh, vlog is, right? Or um, a commentary video. A vlog would be a combination of a commentary video and a direct camera style kind of thing or whatever. Um, But you break it down and you go, okay, I get that, right? And then you say, and here's people that have broken out, right? Because what they've done is they've taken different parts from different formats and created something that feels fresh and new, even though it's based on everything that came before it, right? In the same way that there hasn't been a new story since Shakespeare, right? There's seven story types, right? Same thing is true on YouTube, right? Um, There's nothing new, right? Everything is always in art. Everything always builds upon what has come before it, either as a adjustment to it or a response to it. Right. In the same way that in just general art movements, there have been like, you know, uh, the Impressionism was a response to classical or whatever the fuck it is. Right. I was not an art major. Um, (laughs) So in in that same way, I think creatives love it because it gives them the the rules of the road. Rant over. No, (laughs) keep ranting, man. Um, We're we're running out of time. So there's one thing we we really need to get out of you and that no um oh boy no no so, but yeah we are running out of time so the, the one thing we always ask is what are your top three tips for creators like if you had top three things you, you could impart to to a creator to help them uh grow their channel what would they be um well i from just like a pure audience development perspective it would be um you know analyze your programming, analyze your thumbnails and analyze your, the length of your videos and what that means for your average view duration. Right. And if you focus on those three things, you will build your audience as long as you're honest with yourself and watch the little monster media YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) That'll help any, any, like anything that you want to else that you want to get across in terms of, you know, uh, creators or, or where where do you think this is all going or whether you want to have a rant or have a prompted question um <laughs> i don't mind but yeah no, is yeah, there anywhere I mean, you want to go like or anything you well, want to you asked a question earlier and i kind of took the ball and run with it um and uh, i think i'm over caffeinated today um but 
uh, you asked a question, uh, something along the lines of like, um, I think it was within like the zigzag up the mountain and overthinking it. Mm. And really, you don't have to, to overthink it to be successful on YouTube, right? Um, a lot of it is like, what is the coolest video concept that I can come up with? And what's the best way for me to package and sell that to an audience, right? Like a lot of big creators go, what's going to make a great thumbnail and title or how to make a video that delivers on the promise of that thumbnail and title, right? So in that regard, I certainly wouldn't overthink it um, and uh, focus on those and you should be, should be set. And following trends is perfectly good. A lot of people follow trends and do very, very, very well with it. Um, so, you know, jumping on trends, jumping on temple events, right? Like, um, is absolutely can be a, a good thing as long as it falls into your, your general content type. I know I said we're, we're going to wrap it up. I, but I whatever do. you do, don't go buy a van to jump on the van life trend. Um, don't do that. <laughs> Cause that's what you're going to do. The next little monster media, YouTube channel, uh, video. Will Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt yes. on the road, but it'll be like a, a reaction format mixed with the uh, narrative <laughs> listicle with mm-hmm. a six purple yep. snakes, and the snakes will be giving exactly. the presentation because you've built the format that you don't need to be in anymore. Is that YouTube <laughs> exactly. gold right there? Let's um, do this. I, I, I watch gonna... that. <laughs> Fred's gonna watch. Go, go for it. You can, you can take that one. <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> Uh, Matt, thanks cool. so much for... Well, uh, thank you guys very much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It's, it's been, always a pleasure speaking to you guys, and thank you for indulging in my uh, profanity-laced tirades. <laughs> thanks for your profanity-laced tirades. Cheers, Matt. Um, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will catch up with you real soon. Thanks, Matt. See you guys. This is the kind of episode I reckon every creator should listen to a number of times. Matt really knows his shit. We've worked with Matt with a bunch of creators and the results really speak for themselves. Remember to share with the community on the Creator Generation app and if you want to be a better creator, check out changeacollege.com. Until next time, see ya. Bye. Creator Generation on the mic.